Well, today is the last Sunday in our sermon series we've called Misquoted, which is exploring misunderstandings between the life of faith and the spirituality of this world, right? In particular, this week, we're going to explore the power of positivity to change things. In, in, uh, in our world, there is this belief that positive thinking makes a big difference, right? Well, not many, many of us feel comfortable around others who aren't thinking positively, who are going through a hard time. You know, we, we, we end up looking at someone's situation and we think, hey, maybe I can cultivate change or bring about change if, if I just encourage them. I say things like, keep your chin up, or, or, or there's other fish in the sea, or, or tomorrow's a new day, as kind of a way of combating this negative thinking, right, this discouragement in their lives. But if you think about it, saying these things to those people doesn't really change their situation, just makes the speaker feel better about it, right? Makes them feel a little less un- uncomfortable uh, just by, by trying to encourage them in this way. You can buy bumper stickers that say, think positive, or, or posters that say, uh, think positive and positive things will happen, right? It's this kind of a new world, new age spirituality that, that's, that, that is, is present in our day and age today. Take a look at this poster that, that you can hang on your office uh, to remind you to hang in there when, when you're having a bad day, right? There's, there's ways of encouraging, you know, think positive and, and your day will go better. Hang in there. It'll get better, right? Or, or how about this poster that says mindset is everything, right? Your mindset is everything. Really? Do you, do you think mindset is everything when this little goldfish comes up against a largemouth bass? I don't think so, Right? But if you, if you think you're a shark, then you're going to be a shark. That's, that's this kind of new age spirituality, I think, that's present in our world, that, that your mindset is everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there is a value to positive thinking. But mindset is not everything. I, I learned something new about Steve Jobs this past week. Actually, I didn't, I didn't know this about him. Maybe you already did. But he was a big proponent of positive thinking. And, and, and when he was diagnosed with cancer back in 2003... He was determined to use his positive thinking to overcome his diagnosis. Now, his biographer, who, who wrote a, uh, his, kind of was in charge of writing his biography, um, had this kind of thought about Steve Jobs. As he studied him, as he met with him, as he stayed with him, he, he made this observation about Steve Jobs' life. He said, I, th- I kind of think that he felt that if he ignored something, it would go away. If you don't want something to exist, you can have magical thinking. See, Steve Jobs spent time in India studying Buddhism and, and, and learning to trust in his intuition over his rational thinking, over that objective, measurable, uh, rational side of his brain. Now, the problem is that, that approaching this problem with his positive thinking actually did him more damage than good. Because he delayed a needed surgery to treat what was actually at the time a very curable and slow-growing cancer, the delay of his surgery led to his death. If he had had that surgery and accepted the treatment early on in his diagnosis, he would be here today. But because he was so confident in positive thinking changing his circumstances, Steve Jobs' health declined and he's no longer with us. See, unfortunately, I don't think it's accurate for us to say that if we think positive, positive things will happen. But God has given us something far more powerful than positive thinking to use in our growth. Words. Words. 
For example, the Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved, right? Words that leave the safety of our minds and our hearts have real power. Sadly, they have power or potential for, for the power that brings about evil and good. Words matter. They're powerful. Like, think about this. Uh, I'm actually going to, this is, this is a, a little illustration that came to me from uh, Deb here in our congregation. But, but if someone said to you, hey, are you looking for an ark? Are you looking for an ark? Someone help me out. No? Someone say yes, please. Good, thank you. Well, guess what? I, I know a guy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. There's a feeling. <laughs> I know a guy. Get it? Because Noah, Noah's ark. I know a guy. Yeah, good. Thank you. The fact that I have to explain it is an excellent, it just is all the more. What's that feeling inside you? Yeah, it's a bad joke. I know. Thanks, Eric. What's that feeling inside you that those words cultivate, right? Disgust, uh, shame for your pastor, I don't know, other things, right? Words have power. Right, think, think the best of me right now. I need that, okay? So think positively about me. Words are powerful. And not just to make us laugh or, or to, to kind of embarrass us or whatever. They can bring about real change. I want you to think about something. It's not positive thinking that will change your life or help you grow or overcome your circumstances. I think what our Bible teaches us is that words, words, matter, and will help us as we grow. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, and I'm going to read for us the first 12 verses of James chapter 3. James writes this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Heavenly Father, this is your word. And, and Lord, our words matter, words matter, because you, Lord, created words. You spoke into creation the very things which we have and know and have come to know today. 
So, Lord, we pray in this time that your word would be the center of our minds and our hearts, that your word would challenge us and convict us and change us from the inside out. Guide us in this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what James introduces us to this morning is not that positive thinking is powerful, but that words are powerful. King Solomon writes in Proverbs that that the tongue has the power of life and death. I I think this contradicts the saying that we we tell one another when we're, you know, maybe as kids you've heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We'll tell that to eight-year-old Danny Fanny or Dan Dan the Garbage Man, right? These are are names that I continue to carry with me to this very day. Actually, a, a broken bone will heal, right? But a poorly timed word can scar a person's soul. My, my soul was not scarred by that, but it can, other people's souls can be scarred by a poorly timed word. Just think of um, a blogger by the name of Akoshia Yoba, right? She, she recalls a story of her father speaking to her when she was five years old. And she writes this, she says, when I was about five years old, my father looked at me and offered a stern warning. You have fat potential. Now at the time, she says, I had no idea what he meant. But I could tell from his tone and the way he looked at me, it was not good. I eventually learned what it meant and became obsessed with my weight. It took me many years, a handful of therapists, and even more self-help books to get myself firmly on the path to reversing the damage inflicted by my self-image, by my father's well-received words. Words matter. Words are powerful. In, In the story of creation... God uses words to create, right? He says, let there be light, and there was light. When God describes sending his son to this earth on a mission to seek and to save the lost, he's described as the word. Jesus is the logos, the word, the kind of, in Greek culture, the very building block of of truth and reality. It's a word, In in John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Everything is made through and by the Word of God. Right? We can't think something into existence, but God's Word creates everything. Words have the power to create life, and as the example of uh, Akashia Yoba's life, they have the power to destroy and to kill. And because words have such power, we should handle them with caution. If I were to go and purchase a, a chainsaw and, 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 and hand it to my, one of my kids and say, okay, go take down that tree, what do you expect to happen? Right? You expect one of them to either cut off one of their limbs or drop the tree on themselves or the house or a car or something. Nothing good. You expect, you expect destruction, right? Why? Because chainsaws are dangerous and young children are not cha- are trained in how to use something so powerful and destructive and, and, and their small bodies can't carry the weight or handle the, the, the power of, of kind of wielding something like this. 
if this is something we're so cautious to, to be careful around and, and protect our children from, why are we so careless with our words? We, we post a rant on Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram only to regret it later on. You may not even regret it today, but trust me, if it's on the internet, it's on there forever. You're going to regret it someday, right? It happens all the time where a person of influence posts an apology uh, and, a and a retraction because they said something in the heat of the moment only to realize later on how hurtful it was to others or how hurtful it would be for them to have to manage the fallout of the comment that they're making, right? How often are we, we quick to, to send off an email or, or leave a voicemail without thinking about what it communicates or how it's going to be received? We use passive-aggressive language or, or, or not even, maybe not even so passive-aggressive language to say what we want to say without actually saying it, right? Words hold great power and, and not only for good. This is why James writes in the first two verses, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. See, teachers are expected to speak up. They're expected to pass on the faith. They're expected to pass on a knowledge, a training to others, to other generations and other people. Within Christianity, it's the faith, the Christian faith we pass on, the, the doctrines of the faith. They encourage and they pass on the traditions of the faith. But here's the thing. Teaching is a function and not an office. Teaching is a function and not an office. Pastor, elder, deacon, those are offices in the church. But every follower of Jesus is called to be a teacher. Maybe not in the formal place of a, behind a pulpit, but every child of God is called to be a teacher. What does Jesus say in Matthew 28, right? When, before he ascends to heaven, he calls together his disciples, and he tells them to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then what? Teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. This warning that James has of the danger of teaching of teachers saying and doing and teaching the wrong things is not for a select few in the, the hierarchy of power within a church or an organization. It's for all of God's people, all those who have put their faith in Jesus. But anyone who teaches is also human. And what do we as human beings all have in common? As Paul puts it in Romans 3, no one is righteous, not one, right? In the Gospel of Mark, a man runs up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? To which Jesus replies, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. In that passage, by the way, Jesus is using that time to point to this man, the fact that this man identifies Jesus' deity to a degree. God alone is good. In a world that celebrates diversity, the one thing that we all absolutely have in common is our sin, which makes us imperfect. And in our imperfect, imperfection and sinfulness, 
we have the ability through the use of our language, our words, our lips, our mouths to destroy God's beautiful creation. Proverbs 11.9 tells us, with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. I, I don't think that this is a hard truth for, for anyone in our world to understand. Whether you believe in the word of God is truth or not, many people could agree with this statement. More and more I'm hearing people talk of our society's need for kindness. People just need to learn how to be kind to one another again. Gracious, kind, right? And this, this sort of thinking and feeling is a response to the lack of kindness that many of our neighborhoods experience. Many of the, uh, people show their neighbors. See, left uh, unattended and uncontrolled, our tongues create death and destruction, not life and beauty. Offensive language, a, a, a harsh word, a comment made without thinking, all these things can bring about a conclusion that you never would have wanted. When you pick up that phone to call that person or send them a text, there's the possibility of an outcome there that you're not thinking about necessarily because left unattended or uncontrolled, your tongue can create destruction. Just think of what the young blogger Akashia Yoba was thinking when she had to internalize what her father said to her at five years old that she has the potential for fatness. Words are powerful. They stay with us long beyond the moment of when they've been spoken to us. Many of you can actually think on and remember a moment in your life where someone made a passing comment to you that wasn't a passing comment to you. It was a passing comment to them, but it absolutely took root in your own life and in your soul. Words are powerful, and the words we choose to use matter. And because of this, if we're not careful, the words we use and, and the tongues that communicate them can be like handing a chainsaw to a small child. Look at verses 5 to 8 of, of James chapter 3. This is how he describes it. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So here's the thing. James's point here is that we can either learn to control our tongues or our tongues will control us. No amount of positive thinking with a lack of control of your tongue will bring about a good conclusion in your life. You can think as positively as you want, but if you neglect to, to control or grow to control your tongue, there will be nothing but death and destruction surrounding your life, even though everything looks nice and clean and neat in your mind. We can either control our tongues or our tongues will control us. See, positive thinking, it, it, it may not achieve a better outcome for our circumstances, but at least we won't necessarily harm others around us, right? At least you can kind of just live in la-la land in your mind and think positively, even while 
things are kind of unfolding around you, but, but it won't hurt them necessarily the way if you keep thinking positively for yourself. But what will happen with words is even with that positive thing, words will, words will destroy the world around you. If we're not intentional and careful about the use of our words, what may seem like a small or brief statement can cause a forest fire worth of damage. There have been a few times throughout the course of my ministry where I've counseled people to be careful about what they're about to say, careful about what they're about to do, because what they're about to say and do cannot be easily undone or unsaid. Sadly, there have been even more times in my own life where I've needed people to speak into my, my situation and, and to warn me about what I'm about to say or do. And I can tell you from those times where I've heeded their warning, I've been grateful. And in those circumstances, when I, I didn't heed their warning, it led to shame and, and regret and hurting the people I was trying to make a difference in their lives with. See, what makes a tongue so dangerous is not that it's hard to tame, but it is hard to tame, mind you. I'm not saying that taming our tongue is easy. What makes it so dangerous is the power it wields in our lives and in this world. James likens it to a bit in the mouth of a horse or a rudder on a ship, right? Though these are small objects, they really have the power to impact an object much larger than themselves, right? If a bit is broken, the horse is going to go wherever it wants to go. It's not going to follow the direction of the rider itself. If the rudder is broken, then the, the ship is at the mercy of wherever the waves may take it, even, even to, to break upon a rocky shoal and sink as a result of, of being out of control. A, a small, unattended fire can set a whole forest ablaze. I, I did a quick Google search on this. There's a story back in September 5th of 2020 where a whole forest fire was started from a firework at a gender reveal party. You know those gender reveal parties where they kind of like let the, let the community know, their family and friends know if they're going to have a boy or a girl? Well, someone used fireworks for this. And, and on September 5th in San Bernardino, California, the, this firework set off a, a blaze that covered 22,744 acres, led to the death of one firefighter, and destroyed 10 buildings. All from a little firework, this small little thing, Right? See, James's point is that, that since our words hold so much power in them, controlling the tongue is essential to our growth and maturity. You can think positively all you want about your situation. It's not going to change things. But if you consider the words that are coming out of your mouth, the, the thoughts and the ideas that, that grow into action and come forth from you and, and, and lead to your, your comments, your words, your the the. the the discernment you have to speak up or to remain quiet, you will never grow. You will never become perfect as the Bible talks about it. In biblical terms, learning to control our words is a pathway toward perfection. And perfection is something that's only possible through Jesus Christ. Right? In, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says all these things and he says, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So basically saying, hey, Here's the, the law of the land in the kingdom of heaven. Now go and be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But the only way you can do that 
is by trusting in Jesus to do that work in you, to transform you. See, positive thinking may not change our circumstances, but respecting the power of our words and choosing to tame the tongue will, and doing so by faith is the only way. See, when we allow Jesus to have authority in our lives and trust him to train up and control our tongues, then we get a glimpse of the power that words hold to create life in others. The, the book of Genesis teaches us that, that God is our creator, right? And, and mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. Mankind is the only part of God's creation that is, that is said to have been created in the image of God, created in the image of a creator. What, what this means is that you and I are, in the words of C.S. Lewis, sub-creators. We're creators who, or we're, we, are, we are creations of a creator who have been sent forth to reflect his image to this world. Who, and his image is one of creation, creating things, right? Now, we, we, may not be, uh, we, we, we may not create out of nothing, but we create with the words and the promises and the gifts that God has blessed us with. The songs we sang this morning speak of the power and the beauty of God's word. Your word brings promises. Your word brings blessing. Your word. We are sent out. Our tongue is meant to be an instrument in God's hand, sent out to create life and hope and meaning. But we'll never accomplish the, the maturity of our calling if we are leaving our tongues unattended and untamed. With our words, we can cultivate life in others, and this is so much more beautiful than positive thinking. See, positive thinking really only impacts what's going on in my mind. But when I learn to tame my tongue under the watchful eye and the, the hand of my Savior, then what happens is not just impacting my life, but it impacts the community of life around me. King Solomon said in, in Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And in Proverbs 10, 21, he says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but, but fools die for lack of sense. Now, let's be clear about this. No human being can tame the tongue. You cannot tame your own tongue. I cannot tame your tongue for you. But when we give our lips and our mouths and our tongues to God in faith, then they become a fountain of life. They, they become an all-you-can-eat buffet for people who are starving in the world around us. Our words are powerful. They can encourage. They can build up. They can strengthen. They can point to promises and give hope. Or they can tear down. They can lead astray. They can confuse. They, they, can, they can erode the foundation of our trust in truth by, by all this talk of fake news and, and, and mistrust. And, and let me be clear. James's concern in this passage is really focused on our maturity, right? We're, we're talking about either cultivating death and destroying and discouraging the people around us or cultivating life. But really, James's point in this passage is not about doing a kindness to our neighbors, 
but about growing in maturity and becoming more and more like Jesus. So our passage closes with verses 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. See, positive thinking falsely promises to get you through whatever circumstances you're, you're facing. I should say positive thinking alone falsely promises to get you through whatever circumstances you're facing. It, it, it's like a salt pond that promises to yield fresh water if you just hang out there long enough. But faith in Jesus promises to perfect you. It's like a, a fig seed planted in the soil and cultivated and cared for that, that, that you, know, you, you know is a certain outcome of a harvest of figs. So hear me when I say this. Your perfection and your growth is only possible through your faith in Christ and depending on him to do a work in you. There are those of us this morning who need to hear this. You know how powerful your tongue is. You've seen what it can do. I've seen what my tongue can do. The destruction it causes, the pain that it, that it does in another. There have been, I've learned the hard way in these last years. The damage my tongue can do without even knowing it. And you find out about it later, you think, oh my word, I did not mean that. But how often do we take the time to slow down and consider the power that's in our tongue, the power that our lips hold, the potential of our mouths to do good and not evil? But none of that is a reality. None of, no, none of the good that comes from our lips is a reality unless we're willing to surrender in faith to Jesus, to trust that, that he alone can can accomplish the work of using my lips for good and not for evil. That he alone can tame my tongue. I can't tame my tongue. And that doesn't give me permission to just let loose and say whatever I want to say. It actually is a reminder of how much I need Jesus and just need to cling to him in faith and trust him to accomplish what only he can accomplish in my life. And I want to encourage you this morning that we should not walk out of here saying, oh, Pastor said we got to tame our tongue, got to try harder to not say a bad word or, 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 or hurt someone. No, this should challenge you to get on your knees in prayer and confess your need for Jesus to do this work in your life. It's what I need. It's what we all need. Faith in Jesus promises to perfect you. And it's that faith alone that can affect this growth and perfection that we long for, as Jesus does that work in us. Taming your tongue and wielding the power of your words for good is only possible through your faith in Jesus. It's a life described by David in Psalm 37. Listen to what he says in verses 3 to 6. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Don't, don't run about run about anxiously trying to make sure that your situation is secure. Trust that you're dwelling in the land of the Lord right now by faith. 
befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Determine that your life will be used for God's good and not evil. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your, your justice as the noonday. Church, sticks and stones may break your bones, and names will hurt you. Our words are powerful, and we need to stop thinking that we can just say whatever we want to say and not be concerned about the outcome. Just because it's truth doesn't mean it has to be said right at that moment in the way that you're saying it. Because it's true is not a blank check to say whatever you want to say, whenever you want to say it, however it's going to come out. Sticks and stones may break your bones. They will break your bones if you're not careful. And, and names will definitely hurt you. Words can hurt because words are powerful, and words carry meaning. God said, let there be light, and there was light. These words have the power to create life and the power to destroy life. So first and foremost, let's commit our ways to the Lord this morning, church. Let's commit our mouths, our lips, our tongues to Jesus Christ and trust that he will act, as David said in Psalm 37. Trust that he's going to tame your tongue. Trust that he's going to tame your tongue so that your life becomes an instrument in his hand. Right? That you might become a fountain of righteousness and an all-you-can-eat buffet to those who need a word of hope from God this morning. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend, befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Because, Lord, it's really, uh, it's your word that we want our, our lips and our tongues and our mouths to proclaim. It's, it's your truth that we want to speak moment by moment. And, and Lord, we know that we can't go around just directly reciting the words from the Bible, but your word active in our lives flows forth from us a fountain of life. That we might feed the many people around us with the words of life. So Lord, I ask on behalf of the congregation that your Holy Spirit would work in us, that, that we would commit our ways to you and that you would tame our tongues, that in the, the heat of the moment when we want to re respond with a quick word, a quick correction, a quick challenge, we might first pray and ask you to, to, to use our lips for your good and for your glory. That, that in the moment when, when we, when, when we want to proclaim something that we feel is unjust or untrue, that we might remember that we are children of God and that we are secure in your hands and that we might turn to you in prayer and ask you to speak through us. Or even to remain silent when we need to remain silent. Lord, we desire your good, your outcome, your kingdom. So have your way in us this morning. Tame our tongues, that our tongues might be an instrument for your kingdom and for your glory, not for our own edification. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would have your way in us 
through the powerful name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.